Ready for me to be obnoxious about Anna? I'm <laughs> so excited to hear what you have to say. I'm not going to lie. I am, I've been hyped all week being like, oh, I am fucking thrilled. I've watched this episode twice in the past 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I think I might have more of a crush than I did when I was 17, which is saying something. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm Dean Coded. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast and I shut my cake. Oh, <laughs> today we are joined once again by Abigail, our very special guest from Saving People Queering Things. Abigail, say hello. Hello. Thanks <laughs> for having me back again for the second episode in a row. Yes, we're very excited to have you back again. And today we are going to be discussing the 10th episode of season four titled Heaven and Hell. Jamie and Abigail, what did you think? Okay, so I'm going to start not talking about the episode, okay? Okay, <laughs> good start. <laughs> I, I had a thought, and I like to inflict my thoughts on other people. <laughs> we love it when you do. I mean, that's the point of a podcast, right? <laughs> thoughts on other people. <laughs> um, okay, so I realized that they could have made Ruby Meg. Like, Ruby and Meg could be the same thing. I know they're not. I know, but I think it would have been really fun if... Ruby was actually Meg and she just chose the name Ruby because then she could basically make a second first impression on the brothers. She could ingratiate herself with them. Huh. That would actually be, that would change, that would be so fascinating if we as viewers knew that or found that out like partway into their relationship with Ruby and then found out that she's actually Meg. Yeah. That, that would be, that would be a good improvement. I think it's very funny because this whole time you've been saying that Ruby feels like a Meg knockoff. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, what if Ruby wasn't a Meg knockoff? What if Ruby <laughs> was just Meg? But just like, you know, she's trying not to seem like Meg. Like, because she doesn't want them to recognize her. So when she's kind of like, when you're like, what is going on with you? It's just because she's trying really hard. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's like undercover. Identity. As Ruby. <laughs> Double agent Ruby that's secretly Meg. Like... <laughs> So like triple agent it's like a trick on a trick on a trick <laughs> <laughs> on ruby i want to talk about how the flip that dean has in this like these yes. two episodes he has gone from like hating ruby so much at the start of last episode to this episode he's actively helping her up after she's attacked he's thanking her explicitly he's genuinely for grateful him. he's genuinely yeah. like oh thanks ruby and Dean's repression boy. Like, he doesn't just thank people. <laughs> no. Barely thanks Sam. <laughs> right? And, like, he's actively acknowledging, like, oh, Ruby, like, you really helped us out here. Like, thank you for the hex bags. You know, like, she's the one who runs the con on Alistair and, you know, gets them to show up, you know, with the angels. Like, Which he's trusting her. Really trust her because that, there are so many ways she could backstab them in that con. Yeah, exactly. There's so many ways she could backstab them. And he obviously has figured out enough. Like, it's interesting because, like, clearly the information that Sam gave him, I I wonder if it's actually not that he trusts Ruby, that he, that he trusts Sam and Sam trusts Ruby. And so he's, like, he's gone from begrudging acceptance to actually, like, He's trust. really trying very hard with Ruby in this episode. Like, it's it's such a huge shift for him. Dean appreciates Ruby. Yeah, he can see also, I think, her skill. And actually, 
even in this episode, like he not only trusts her to do things like go and get tortured, which, you know, is one thing, but he also trusts her to like watch Anna, you know, and that is a much, I think almost like a bigger like show of trust than trusting her to go and speak to to Alistair. Well, because Dean feels responsible for Anna. Like, so, you know, if he trusts Anna, like Ruby with Anna and then Ruby fucks up Anna, like Dean's going to feel like he fucked up. Yeah. Badly. Okay, while we're talking about fucking Anna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad I set us up for that segue. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the objective lack of chemistry between Dean and Anna in this episode <laughs> is... I'm it. I'm I'm sorry. Look, I think coded the same because Anna is Dean coded. Yeah, (laughs) that's the problem. Good actors. Like I have nothing. I have nothing against their acting, but like the lack of like you you know that chemistry that's normally there when you it feels very much like Avril Lavigne skater boy. Like he was a (laughs) like she was a girl. He was a boy. Like they're like ah yes, we're just gonna have Dean fuck her obviously because they are two people of opposite genders in the same area. Like, I wonder if it's less about their chemistry and more about like what Anna says about like, you know, last night on earth. It's not necessarily that it needs to be Dean that she's fucking. She just like needs to fuck someone because it's their last night on earth. The Mm. fucking feels like they're like, oh yeah, like why not? Instead of I genuinely want to have this connection with (laughs) you. (laughs) And I love their conversations. I think their conversation is fucking fascinating. I, Abigail, I'm so glad that you brought up the point about Last Night on Earth because this, Jamie, is going to be something that comes up later and is going to be fucking important. We get three (laughs) instances. We get three instances of Dean being involved with people where that particular, like, trope of Last Night on Earth comes up. And I just want to say... Related to specifically to, you know, sex. (laughs) In, like, in this episode, Dean says, like, you're stealing my best line. And I'm just... That is going to be so relevant and I think season five, episode three, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. The fact that you can quote the fucking episode number. <laughs> it's, dare I say, an important one. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that. I can, yeah, I can think of two other instances off the top of my head. And, and they both make this one so interesting. Like both backwards and forwards. Yeah. And I just like, I'm sorry, but the lack of chemistry there, it was... I was just very much like, wow, like the compo- the compulsory heterosexuality here is like <laughs> off the charts, like unparalleled. I've never seen two people with less chemistry. Like somehow neither of them seemed like they were into it despite the like fogged up car handprint fucking thing. Well, I mean, multiple things about that. Like her putting her hand on the handprint is just like, don't even don't, get me fucking That's started. weird. That's weird. You know, that's weird, right? Like, that's where, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I am feral about this because the thing that gets me about the fact that there's a handprint and the fact that they draw the attention to it is it reminds me of when they put Dean in John's leather jacket. And it's like, John is so present in all of those scenes. And it's not because, <laughs> of, it's just because the jacket and Dean looks like he's swimming in it. And it's like, it, John is so present, even though he's not actually there. The fact they're calling the attention to the is that so present. has a claim to Dean. And then Anna's hand does not fit on that claim to Dean properly. And Cass is, and Cass is so present in their conversation about yes. God and faith. And then later on, mm-hmm. they do the weird like reaction shot, shot cut to fucking Cass like he's a jealous ex-boyfriend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. 
cast is so fucking present in that sex scene it is bizarre <laughs> and like he's yeah. like you say he's present in the whole conversation leading up to it and it's so funny that you say like that you don't think that they have like that much chemistry and I think that it's interesting because we can go back to we just finished recording with Abigail and Elena for episode 402 over on seven people queering things which if you haven't listened to please go and listen to sure it's a banger on there uh so <laughs> and we were talking about the tension that Dean and Cass have in that kitchen scene and they have more chemistry in that moment than I think Dean and Anna have in this entire lead up to their little, you know, sexy rendezvous. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't really feel the tension between Dean and Cass. Like, <laughs> but the, 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 like, I feel, but it's like, for me, it's not like, oh my God, yes. Like those two, like all the tension, but it's like, I feel like just the fact that like, yeah, they objectively do have more chemistry mm-hmm. than yeah. Anna and Dean. And like, Dean fucked Anna. Like, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, okay, yeah. Like, for me, it's not like, oh, yeah, Dean and Cass have, like, off-the-charts chemistry never seen before, like, just fuck already, get a room. But it's, like, the fact that Dean slept with someone with objectively less chemistry. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> it's like, actually also an argument for... <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yep. Not, yep. it's not so much that, like, they have all of this overwhelming chemistry. It's just the fact that they have more. Like, yeah, Dean... Yeah. Well, and Dean, like, we've seen in Dean up to this point that he has different kinds of like sexual experiences and relationships like he has casual flings and like one night stands quite happily where he doesn't where there doesn't seem to be a desire from him or from the women necessarily uh an emotional connection and then he also has women where he there is an emotional connection and emotional chemistry as well like Cassie and then like Lisa mostly Cassie and so like him again sleeping with Anna is not is not they make an emotional connection, but it's not, mm. it doesn't translate to like sexual chemistry. The sexual yeah. relationship of their relationship is just like for fun. It's compulsory heterosexuality. It's Dean forcing himself to sleep with women because he thinks that's what it takes for him to be whatever the fuck John wanted him to be. Or, and which is also, not and yeah. And also he also like has an idea of women that, mean that if you have an emotional connection obviously you also want to fuck them and I'm like you can just have the emotional connection that's 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 sufficient in its own in its own right and we talked last episode about Sam and sex scenes and how that's going to be relevant to the comparison between Dean and sex scenes and like now that we've had the back-to-back episodes we have Sam sleeping with a demon and Dean sleeping with an angel which is a comparison all of itself but also the difference in those scenes. Like we talked a lot about how Sam's was like very aggressive, very passionate, whatever. And like Dean's is entirely different. Dean's is, Dean's a switch for me to to begin with. Dean's a switch. He's both a top and a bottom in the scene. (laughs) Um, I thought that was very important. (laughs) I find it very interesting though, to look at it through the lens of like, for me, neither of these sex scenes feel really like consensual. Like, does that make sense? Like, for Sam, it's like Ruby's putting that that pressure on him to sleep with her. And then for Dean, it's like he's putting that pressure on himself. Ah, like you, which is interesting. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yes, he's technically consenting, there. but it doesn't feel like this is actually something he genuinely wants to do. It feels like this is something he's doing because he feels like he's expected to want to do it. Yeah, like he's not going to turn her down on her last night on Earth. 
also if a girl asks to sleep with you and your ideas of masculinity are tied up in like oh I must want sex from from women yeah Mm. so then like if a girl offers to sleep with you like you're not a real man if you turn that down yeah I think it's also important to point out objectively beautiful girl yes offers to like because like let's not forget there's a whole bunch of beauty standard bullshit happening in here yeah oh yes and I do, I do want to talk very briefly about the dream sequence with uh, where Dean speaks to Uriel after the sex Fucking scene with Anna. Uriel. And I look, Uriel is such a fascinating character. His like portrayal, I think, is stellar. Mm-hmm. He's played by an actor named Robert Ray Wisdom, and he, I think, absolutely beautifully portrays Uriel as a character I think oh, he yeah, feels he powerful it. he feels imposing but in a very like he feels like a threat but not in a angry way in a very calm way which I think sometimes is actually scarier he's what Angel's like he's what Cass is trying to be you know Cass is trying to be like intimidating without the emotion and Uriel is actually intimidating without the emotion whereas Cass you can tell like there's like this this tension something is yeah. something is bubbling it's a john yeah. and dean parallel you know what <laughs> oh my god jamie <laughs> you are on fire today <laughs> you've got someone who is like what they're meant to be you know indifferent cold powerful got just only cares about their sense of duty aka the john equivalent and then you have the person who's meant to be striving for that same thing, but underneath everything, they're just so fucking human. I'm going to cry. Wow. <laughs> Not the parallel. Wow. I don't have time to unpack all that emotionally. So yeah, I'm going to be thinking about that for the next week. I'm going to be thinking about that parallel. The point that I was going to make now seems so insignificant. <laughs> I was gonna make it's just that I think that it's it's nice that that scene comes out of like Dean must have fallen asleep with Anna because that's how Uriel is able to see him because he goes into his dream and I was like oh that's sweet like he felt safe and like secure in that environment and enough to fall asleep and I was like that's very sweet and then Jamie just blew my mind (laughs) which again highlights the difference between like Sam and Ruby's sex scene and Dean and Anna's like yeah. the softness in in Dean and Anna's and the lack of chemistry versus like in Sam and Ruby's it's incredibly like violent purely chemistry but it's just it's just like Sam and Ruby is like all the chemistry with no emotional component and then like Anna and Dean is just the emotional component no sexual component really to that chemistry like <laughs> it's both mixing it's both Sam and Dean not knowing how to like have relationships yeah. with women for opposite reasons. Yeah. Sam's like, I have, like, I want to fuck this woman, so therefore I must like them. And Dean's like, I like this woman, therefore I must want to fuck her. And they're both wrong. And they're both <laughs> wrong. <laughs> While we're on and around this topic, I do want to talk about the quote we do get from Uriel this episode, which is when Dean asks, like, uh-huh. where's your boss? And we get the line, oh, Castiel? He's not here. See, he has this weakness. He likes you. And it feels very schoolgirl. Like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm like, ooh, he likes you. 
I just, I don't know what the fuck they were. This is what makes me feral about this episode. Like, I love this episode for a lot of reasons, but the thing that makes me feral about it is the Destiel implications. Because I'm like, what were you trying to get across? Between the handprint in the sex scene, the this quote about him being like, oh yeah, he's too emotionally attached to you to be an objective party in this. And then also, like you were saying before, like Cass's perspective reaction shots when like Dean and Anna are kissing, like- they just cut to him like he's a jealous ex-boyfriend. Like, what, like, in what universe does this, like, we know, we've seen a lot of, like, Dean and Cass interacting so far this season, and, like, Cass is possessive. Like, yeah. it, there's no way to, like, see it that's not, like, Cass being possessive over, like, the soul that he dragged out of hell. He literally left a brand on it. Like, he's it's not still being there. subtle. It's still there, and I don't know how long, I, I haven't, I don't know how long this is from... Lazarus rising in like the time I'm like in terms of canon. time usually they run canon. pretty similarly so I would say somewhere between but because last week it comes straight into this oh yeah so I would probably say like two and a half to three months would be because 10 weeks if we're at episode 10 yeah so. so so it's like he's lived with this handprint on his body for like three months and and the more Cass gets involved in their story the more that is significant and the more Cass, the more Cass's reaction to Dean is not about the job. As, like, it's like Cass can't be trusted around Dean already. That's the thing. And I think like Uriel has already picked up on that. He's like, oh, we can't send him solo. And I think, do you know what? It may actually be from at the end of the Great Pumpkin Sam Winchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I think, the big shift in their relationship where. Yeah, hugely. D- Dean has been like banging this like doubt dong towards mm-hmm. Cass like and then it like suddenly starts to like crack something in Cass and now he likes you exactly and I think we also get in the scene when Anna kind of like it all sort of clicks and she says they made him a, an offer it was either me or Sam and you again get Cass's reaction and it's like oh Cass did not like that like this was not something that he was on board with and I think that's really interesting because you start to see like, obviously, he is still working for heaven. And he even, like, says to Anna, like, I'm sorry. Like, we have a history, but, you know, orders are orders. And she says to him, you know, you're not sorry. You don't know the feeling. But I think, actually, he might. Like, I think this is the yeah. start where he's like, I don't like this order. And I didn't agree with it. But I don't have the capacity to come to terms with that right now or yeah. to actually express that. Because we also find out from Anna that to disobey is the murder number one. Like, it is the yeah. worst thing they can do. And it's clearly punishable by death. And she and she fought to get to where she is. And she fought to get away. And she is the only angel that we know of that has done this. So, like, she looks at Cass and goes, like, you have not made the choices I've made. Mm-hmm. Like, and you don't seem capable of it at this point. They haven't interacted since who knows when they last interacted they at least haven't interacted since she's been human she's got no reason to think that like he comes in and the first interaction she has is him being like yeah we're gonna kill you yeah for your disobedience (laughs) and so she's like yeah fuck that like I you don't know the feeling you do not know what it's like to doubt heaven's orders and like the truth is he does he's starting to but like she doesn't know that I had a thought Again, I make this everyone else's problem. <laughs> but what if we reframed the Anna Dean sex scene as Dean trying to run from his feelings for Cass? Ooh. Do say more. I think that's the end of her thought. 
Think about your own implications. I don't need a spood fin you here. Like, <laughs> Jamie's like, damn, I'm doing all the heavy lifting today. <laughs> because it, it very much feels like something Dean's doing because he feels like he has to. And if he's not fully comfortable with being queer and he started feeling something for Cass and he's like trying to get over whatever he thinks he's feeling for Cass. No, I think that like is interesting in the context of like their converse, like Dan, Anna and Dean's conversation, because you think about like, they're talking about the things that Dean is also trying to get Cass to talk about. Yeah. Like Dean is trying to be like, don't you have doubts? Don't you have questions? Like where, and Anna's just like verbalizing. She's being like, yeah, like I was lonely. I was waiting for orders from an unknowable father. And like, that's why I made the decision. Like Dean wants to have that like Dean keeps pushing Cass to, to make those same connections. Quite honestly, I have a note that's just like, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time that Dean had a conversation with an angel about their daddy issues while leaning against the Impala, I would have two nickels. And that's, look. <laughs> <laughs> Anna is a stand-in for Cass. <laughs> and I think what is interesting, and I, I don't mind telling Jamie this because I don't think it's inherently spoilery but it is interesting that essentially in a production sense yeah I was I was hoping you'd mention this because I wanted to but I wasn't sure if you thought basically for for Jamie and also anyone else who's listening who may not actually be aware essentially what happened is Cass as a character ended up being given the plot line that was designed for Anna so having this as the start of like, this is where they were going with Dean and Anna. And then they were like, oh, it's not really working. Whether I think it was actually down to a chemistry thing. Hmm. And then <laughs> they were like, well, that's fine. We'll just swap the storylines. And they just didn't think about the fucking implications. We'll just that, give some I of guess. Anna's future plot lines and future storylines to Cass. Yeah, we'll just Angel. be like, hey, this confirmed love interest that slept with Dean, we'll just give their story to Cass. And we'll just not think about that for more than three seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep that in mind in the future. Because of the chemistry and the production piece came down to chemistry. Like they got Misha on set and we're like, oh, he's this got something. There's something happening here that is so much more interesting than what Dean and Anna are doing. Like Anna is a fascinating character but she does not have that chemistry with with Dean. Very quickly, before we move on from the Dean-Anna situation, I came across a discussion on Tumblr once about this, and I have never been able to watch this scene the same way since, so I'm so sorry if I'm about to ruin this for anyone listening. But the scene where Dean and Anna kiss looks like one of those made-up manipulation gifts when when Uriel and Cash show up in the bar. Oh, with the the really bad cuts? with the cast perspective cuts it literally looks like it's so it looks 2d and like the way that it's shot if you look at it it literally looks like a manipulation gif where people have like put it together like as fans (laughs) the chemistry is so bad it's not it's not even that it's just somehow the angle of it it looks like it's fake it's a bit i don't know how they achieved it but it's bizarre and now i can't unsee it it's a problem actually (laughs) okay so I want to derail us while I remember. Time for my PSA. Do y'all have any guesses this week? Oh, I did have one. Did I write it down? I'm an idiot. Oh, um, if, if there's lots of shit going down with heaven and, and angels and stuff, 
this is not going to be a PSA that's going to be relatable to anyone. Maybe if there's a big, okay, maybe let's rephrase this. Maybe if there's a big crisis going on in your life or the life of the loved ones you have, it's a weird time to be suddenly on a vacation far away. Are you calling out Bobby? <laughs> I, I'm calling out the writing choices that conveniently. Honestly, it was Bobby probably just that he wasn't available for the episode. Like, it's a bad reason though that he's not on a hunt. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> That's my guess for the PSA. That, not- that's a solid guess. It's not right, but it's a solid guess. Oh, I actually, I've got one. Okay, this is not okay. whatever one I thought of before. Okay. Because I didn't write that down because I'm an idiot. But, okay, when Anna is being hypnotized by Pamela, she goes into the trance and then she, like, has that moment where she's remembering everything and her body, like, jerks up and she's, like, flailing, basically sparks and all the angel on angel yeah, stuff yeah and dean goes to touch her and he gets thrown across the room because she fully whacks him right my psa is if someone and this is like a gripe that i have with like medical procedure shows if someone is having some kind of fit or seizure do not try to restrain them because you will do more damage you will end up hurting them more or getting yourself hurt. The best thing you can do is just put something soft under their head so that they're not banging it on a hard surface like the ground and other than that let them be because if you try to grab their arm or their leg or whatever you're going to strain their muscles or they're going to whack you and that's just going to cause more issues so leave them be no matter how scary it is like i've got a couple of people in my life with that have seizures and it's it's terrifying like you get dean's reaction to be like yeah it goes against all your common sense but like take a deep breath (laughs) wait it out neither of y'all are right oh (laughs) (laughs) of course so my psa is this week Please do not judge someone based on their sexual or gender identity because we got two big yikes moments in this fucking episode. One where Dean's like, I'm pretty sure you're smooth like a Ken doll to Uriel and that's just big yikes all on its own. And we also get fucking Alice there being like, you devious slut or some shit like that. Mm. You devious cowardly slut, I think is the quote. And I'm sorry, but what the fuck, guys? What the hell? Like Unnecessary lines. Unnecessary lines. And it's just like this whole judgy place. And like Dean does that very judgy thing with uh, Uriel. And he's like, you're probably smooth like a Ken doll down there. It's like, no, fuck you. You can like find better insults. If you don't like someone, you can insult them in a smarter way. People aren't fucking defined by their genitals. I don't know how to tell you this, (laughs) but like, that's not how it fucking works. I think that (laughs) it's also the beginning of an unfortunate, like, like the, the junkless term. It reminds me of the Big Bang Theory and the way that Sheldon is, like, discussed in terms of yeah. his, like, sexual identity, I suppose. And I don't love it. I, I really appreciate when they stop using that term, which does happen eventually. Yeah, it's like Dean is trying to make a, a, a statement about, like, angels not caring about sex, but it does it in the, like, worst possible way. And also, like, how do you know that? How do you know that that's the case? Like, how do you know that he's that angels are not interested in sex like why why would you make that leap while we're talking about angels though and their sort of like mentalities Mm. I think it is interesting and important to talk about the way that Anna describes why she chose to fall and like the emphasis she puts on those human experiences and the way that Dean not only sort of can't understand why she would choose to be human over being an angel but also how that ties into the very end of the episode where he's talking to Sam. Because I think that that 
sort of linkage is super, super important in terms of how Dean is feeling right at this point and why he can't understand why Anna would choose to fall. Also very interesting when you take into perspective the fact that they switched Anna and Cass's storylines and also the fact that that sort of element mirrors Ruby's story for why she's helping them. Mm. Mm. That she remembered what it was like to be human. and Right, and then she's, yeah, she's, yeah. Oh, that's a really interesting parallel again. I've connected the dots. <laughs> <laughs> They're connected. And like, I think it makes sense for Dean because he's so overwhelmed with, like all of his emotions are bad. And we say, like he says at the end of the episode, like, I wish I just couldn't, like, couldn't feel anything because he's just drowning in this, this post-traumatic stress. Um, and so it makes sense that like he, 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 when, when he thinks of like being human, he thinks about all the shitty stuff and can't make the keys. Like, it, is this really worth, you know? The, the positives of being human like if you could not feel anything it's because like it's not because he doesn't it's just because like right now his whole experience is bad yeah and we get the quote which is Dean's like I just don't get it like you guys are powerful perfect you don't doubt yourselves or God or anything and then Anna comes back with yeah perfect like a marble statue no, uh, cold no choice only obedience and I think that it's such an interesting sort of idea where where you said before like the Cass Uriel like Dean John thing like I think that's really applicable to this where you know Anna's saying well I don't want to be that perfect marble statue thing cold and unfeeling and you know perfectly obedient and Dean's like that's all I ever like not aspired to but it's what John wanted of me I guess. I think it's also key to mention here that from what I can tell it's not that angels can't feel emotion or don't feel emotion it's that they're not meant to Mm. yeah if they feel any sort of doubt any sort of emotion if they're feeling things they're no longer doing what they're meant to be doing and that's that's sort of the issue of it it's not that they can't it's that they're not meant to and they are punished if they do which is what we saw with john as well yeah it's like you are meant to be a hunter and that's what this comes with this set of expectations you don't if you have emotions about that that means that you're not functioning the way you're supposed to like those I mean the whole thing about like Gordon and and his whole thing about like you know you full you feel all your emotions towards like being a better hunter you don't feel them towards like doubt or questions the line where Anna's like talks about like an unknowable father yeah and like that being the moment that like it clicks for Dean is yeah I also think it's important that she mentions being silent and being invisible and waiting on those orders from an unknowable father because it's not only just the idea of waiting on orders from your father and the fact that the father is somehow untouchable but also that in that sense she was literally silent and invisible and Dean felt silenced and invisible and I think that is just so like the the John as Sam and Dean's God meta analysis is just so fucking interesting and multifaceted. And I think this episode really exemplifies it in like a number of ways. Yeah. Even the like Sam, you know, Sam's different relationship to John and to God, because like Sam wants to believe in God, but also like every decision he's made and everything about his identity has put him at odds with, you know, good in a lot of ways because of the fucking demon blood. And, but but and he was the son that with John 
rebelled and ran away and went, I'm not having any part of this. Like, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. And even talking about like cast, like Jamie made a really great observation, which is that it's not that angels can't feel emotion. It's that they're not supposed to, and they get actively punished. And we'll actually get into that more as the seasons go on. But there is a quote in this episode where Dean says, you know, you're some heartless sons of bitches. And Cass says, you know what? As a matter of fact, we are. And I think that's really interesting because first of all, it's a blatant lie. Like, and that becomes obvious through the episode because we get those reaction shots. We can see that Cass cares, at least on some level. He's affected by Dean and Anna. and Yeah. And Uriel verbally confirms that and says, you know, he's not here because he likes you. But also we get a quote from a character named Alfie in season eight, which specifically comes back to this. And I'm sure Abigail's nodding along, like they know what I'm talking about. And it I genuinely do. will get there. But yeah, and it comes back specifically to, especially use of the word heart specifically for that quote. Okay, so I know that this episode pretty well immediately disproves it because we find out what Anna is in this episode. But I think it would be really, really fun if they had had Anna be like another special child that for some Ooh. reason either wasn't involved in the Demon Hunger Games or maybe like she was the winner of her own version of the Demon Hunger Games. Like she's Ooh. a different generation. Like she's not- Like she was ages. a different generation. Maybe like maybe Azazel and Lilith were running like competing programs <laughs> and like she was the winner of Lilith's Demon Hunger Games. <laughs> Like, I understand, or maybe, like, the angels had their own, like, angel blood thing where they were trying to breed, like, a victor, like the demons did. So, like... Which would work with her, like, being able to hear the angels if that was, like, exactly, a power. Yeah. So I, I was like, oh, I think this would be really fun if that's how they went with it because then they parallel her to Sam a little bit, but it was like, yeah, it was she, she's an angel. And <laughs> it just kind of feels like the most boring way they could have gone with it, honestly, like... I kind of love it if I'm like, if I'm being totally honest, I like that we're getting a little bit more information about angels just in general and mm -hmm. sort of, we know a lot about the general sort of characteristics of demons at this point. And we sort of get that they're all like a bit snarky and they're all like, you know, you have like just a general demonic vibe. Maybe. And exactly. And I like yeah. that. The, the getting... architect. <laughs> And I like that we're getting the angel equivalent. Like we're getting more angel characters and we're getting a feel for who angels are. What, as they're, like su a, what they're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. What, what as a generalization, you know, what is like, how does an angel behave versus how does a demon behave? And then that makes it easy to pick out individuals who don't fit that mold. And I think that's really fun and really interesting. Yeah. And I love that we get the mythology. Like I love that we get the lore of like, angels can physically can rip out their grace like I remember yeah. the first time I watched this episode just being like that fact alone is so badass mm. I think it made mm -hmm. me fall in love a little bit with Anna and she's like yeah I wanted to be human so bad I literally like ripped out my grace like I love it as a like mythology piece I don't know I just not as compelled by it I'm yeah I'm not look honestly I'm it might grow on me as like I'm assuming we learn more about Anna it feels like a weird place to just leave Anna if this is where we're going with it and obviously though Anna's done something that by the Winchester standards of morality which are weird uh they were deemed not acceptable which is why like Cass was like oh yeah well she's done shit you wouldn't even believe blah 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 I think that is mostly in reference to 
the fact that she is an angel. Like when when he says like she is far from innocent, I think that comes back to like for an angel, she has committed the ultimate crime, which is to oh. disobey. We'll see if as we get more information, if pick out more stuff that makes it more interesting. Because that's also where I think that what I think they mean, it is pretty simple. I just feel like it's weird to add a character that's supposedly got millennia worth of lore and like backstory and history and then allude to something and have it be literally the one thing that they addressed in this episode, which is that she was previously an angel and she fell from grace. Or well, she rather, she jumped from grace is probably a better way to put it. I guess I like, I understand like where you're coming from, but I also think it's just like, if you think of it from the perspective of like, she, there is literally nothing she could have done, which would have been more of a taboo thing. Like, because it's not about what our perspective is, because for like, Abigail made excellent points saying that like Dean is really pushing Cass to like think in the same way that Anna is, because for a human, it's like that sort of free will, that choice that you have in your life, that freedom is so second nature like we're like yeah you get to make decisions and you get to decide for yourself like obviously some people will give you orders and you you have to follow I mean Dean's experience is a little different isn't it yes but the 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 drive for like autonomy yeah like a pretty human thing exactly but for an angel it's like you absolutely like this is not something that they're even supposed to have as like a concept and so like yeah the fact that that is what she's chosen to do and that is a choice it is potentially one of the only choices that she ever made. And so it's it's a much bigger deal from that perspective than it is from necessarily just any old human's perspective. Um, I'm interested though, Abigail, because I know that Anna is like a Also, I don't mean favorite. a shit Olivia Blobo, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> I will come to her defense, but it's all right. I'm not offended. I am interested though, because I... I really like Anna, but I actually don't have any like hard opinions on her either way. So I'm interested, like Jamie obviously is not like a huge fan straight out the gate, but I'm interested because I know that she is a, a favorite of yours, like what your take is. And I'll just sit here and listen to you both. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I mean, okay. So like when I first watched the show, when I was a teenager, like Dean, a little repressed gay teenager. Um, <laughs> really and content. then I, and I saw that, I think, there's two pieces of it for Anna, with Anna for me. One is just that like I crushed on her super hard and was like, I just, I just, you know, for those like inexplicable reasons that you're just like, oh, this one, I am surprised at the feelings that I have. <laughs> they are not like I have feelings I have for other characters. And I think for me, like watching that as a teenager, when I was figuring out my sexuality, I was like, oh, I think Anna's really hot. I don't think care like I don't usually have that reaction to characters I have that reaction very very rarely and I usually like I'm kind of on the ace demi spectrum yeah I'm, I'm on the ace demi spectrum and like the emotional connection I felt because of the conversation that she has with Dean particularly um this idea of the inner battle between what you are supposed to want and what you actually want and the moment of like decision the moment of like when you choose to be to be your own self as opposed to what is expected of you and like to say a lot of the same reasons I'm really attached to Dean and but with Anna I think with Dean a lot of it is the like the nurture piece like we know that John nurtured in him this like you have to follow orders thing with Anna we're getting it as this like nature piece of like you're an angel you were like made to be obedient. And so like, I think that contrast is interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons I've always, like they're coming from different 
places, but also somehow the same place. Mm -hmm. But also just the emotional connection you have to the character who is your gay awakening. <laughs> yes, it's also just like at the end of the day, like a lot of it is, is, is she was a part of my gay awakening and I am really attached for that, for that reason. I also realized in this rewatch that I'm actually the age that the actress was at the point of the show, like now. And so like, it's, I, I'm like, did, I was wondering, I was like, am I still going to feel that same like, oh, Anna. <laughs> and I did. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense. I, I think it makes sense. I have other thoughts about Anna, but some of them I can't state yet. Yeah, we'll get there. Personally, I like Anna. I just think, I think honestly, last episode, she was a stronger character than in this episode. I just, I know some of like the conversation just got very forced. Like the writers just really wanted to get the exposition out there. And then like the whole like sex scene thing, I was just like, oh, you just. Oh, I think that is absolutely forced. It just doesn't make me like her less because I think that's forced just because they don't have chemistry, not because she's not a good character. But no, so yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I like Anna, it just, yeah, I don't know. Just something about the way she's written is like, as a character, I think she slaps. The way they're writing her, like in this episode, they're uh, like, oh, are you really doing that? Like you have this character with all this potential. And like, I, I don't know, it just felt like. I think it's because they kind of reduced her to a love interest. Yeah. Instead yes. of. Like instead thinking of, about it as you're speaking. Like I think up that's till the of, point, like up to the point where they have the sex scene. She's she great. But and then, then, then they you have go that, into that conversation that feels very stilted. I think it's just honestly because the actors don't have that much chemistry. So instead of feeling like a genuine, like heart to heart where they're sharing these deep dark secrets that they've never really been able to express to another person before it just feels like the writers are forcing them into the situation so that they can fuck like can I offer a slightly different interpretation of that that I just thought of that I don't know but but like what if some of the stilted elements of that comes from the fact that she is remembering she has like suddenly because of what because of like Pamela she's suddenly remembering what it's like to be an angel. And so some of that stilted nature of her interactions is because she's reverting in some ways back to that angelic, like roboticness that we've seen from like Cass and Uriel of very much like I am following my factory settings. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And actually I was thinking that along those same lines as well, because as soon as she has that sort of like hypnosis experience, when she comes back, her speech pattern is different. And I think that's really interesting because, yeah, she she might have, say, sort of 20-odd years of human experience, but she has millennia of celestial experience. And so coming back, like getting all of those thoughts and emotions, well, not emotions, but all of those experiences back and all of that sort of, I guess, indoctrination, you could call it, or like training, Yeah, you know, that is going to, it's going to reflect in the way that she presents herself. And I think it, it it's not a huge difference, but I think it's a, it's a difference enough that you do notice it pretty immediately. And it, I wonder if it's an explanation for the lack of chemistry in some ways. That's maybe more satisfying than other explanations, at least, at least in some ways. It doesn't fully maybe take away that awkwardness, but it maybe gives a, a reason for some of it. I kind of wish that they had done it less as sort of like a sort of her factory presets resetting thing and more of a she is stealing herself to become an angel again. So she is trying, like she's oh, actively I, I think trying that interpretation to also works. revert yeah. back. And then like, so I wish they kind of played it more of like she is trying to become more like an angel so that when she gets her grace back, she's prepared. 
And then her having that conversation with Dean is more of like her, her sort of lapsing in that active preparation that she's trying to do and like sort of reverting mm. back to being more human. To be fair, Ooh, I think um, you, and I then like you that. could have done I think the, you like, can... the switch back on after it when she realizes, oh, how like that's not what an angel would do. I think you could definitely interpret it that way. I think it would have been cool if we had had a scene maybe after their sex scene where she kind of like, ste- where you get that like, her going, oh, like that and now I have like to disconnect again. Upright, like holding herself, yeah. Yeah, and we don't see them after the sex scene. Like We just don't. Yeah, because you're right. Like it could be explained by she is either getting her experiences back. So like she's getting now influenced by who she was before she became a human or like her trying to be more like that person though, so that she's prepared when she does become it. But I just, I feel like one way or the other, it didn't feel very intentional. And I get where the writing is and the directing is missing some missing some pieces, even if they were small pieces that could have like lent this more credibility. I think it'd be really interesting to see if they had any sort of like deleted scenes for this episode mm. that maybe could have given us like even just another glimpse of Anna so that we could see more where she was at in terms of her headspace because it just felt very shallow. I do. And I didn't feel intentional that it was shallow, you know? I do think that something that is worth noting is like when people say like oh last night on earth you tend to you tend to associate it with death right like she's assuming she's going to die because they're coming to kill her except that we know that they had a plan they knew because ruby is already out and going through their plan like they knew that they were going to bring the demons and the Mm -hmm. angels together which means they knew that you know they were going to have that showdown they're not planning on letting her die and she's planning on getting her grace back. So you could interpret that last night on earth to mean last night human, not before I die. So if you want to talk about like maybe she's preparing to become like that angelic thing again, I think that that interpretation actually perfectly works because of mm-hmm. that line. Because she's yeah. not intending on dying. They are not intending on letting her die. No, but the plan, the plan is in, in motion. They're just not, they just don't reveal it for the sake of the, nar- like the TV narrative exactly. of getting the reveal later. Exactly. And so I think that you could interpret it that way because it doesn't yet necessarily mean before I die. It just means this is the last human act before I am no longer human. This you know, is in a lot of ways the last of, choice uh, I get. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think we need to get off this topic. Okay. <laughs> <Because> yes. <laughs> it, we've been on it for so long. <laughs> I do very quickly want to talk about a law thing while we're still on the topic of angels just in general, but I want to scoot over it because I think we need to talk about something else. But we have in that conversation between Dean and Anna, she mentions that only four angels have seen God's like face. I'm pretty sure that this is actually wrong. I'm pretty sure it's at least it five. Well. It's at least five because we have. Yeah, you're right. Four, I'm pretty sure it's at least five as well. The four yep. obvious ones. And, and then and the one I can think of the other one. I can think yeah. of one other one. Is it possible that the one that you're thinking of has only seen God in the last like 20 odd years since she's been on earth? No. Okay. No. He, like, so it, it would it have predated have her forward. Yes. So this is a yeah, law and consistency. And <laughs> good catch. Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so not much to discuss on it. I just wanted to. I do to feel like, out. however, the fact that they specifically say four angels have seen God and no one else is going to be significant in terms of who those four are. Yes. Do you have a theory on that? Have we met any of the ones yet? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 
Hell, we could have met all four gonna... of them so far, and I just yeah, there's like... yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did anyone have anything that they particularly wanted to go on with? Otherwise, I have a couple of things that I want to bring up. Well, I have one small point that I'd like to mention. Ruby agrees with me. How buff is Sam actually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that diet line of dialogue. Pretty buff for a nerd. Yeah, literally. I love that line. Jamie, I am interested to know what you make of this next little bit of that scene, which is when Ruby is saying to Sam, like, your powers, like, you're getting, I think she says, like, flabby, flabby or just, like, flabby. sloppy. Yes. Basically. And he goes, well, how do I tone up? And she goes, you know how. And he's like, I'm not doing that anymore. What do you think? Yeah, I want to know this as well. Turns out I was right in Sam's drinking demon blood <laughs> to superpower himself. They're like his protein shake. Come in a little packet. He has to like mix it up. Yeah, yeah it's it dehydrated up, you know? powder. Yeah. You yeah. know how in the sex scene with Madison and Hart, he bites her? Like he's actually doing that with Ruby and drinking her blood. Like a vampire. <laughs> vampire coated Sam Winchester <laughs> well I mean it would explain why Gordon hated him so much <laughs> uh, Gordon's actually psychic yeah <laughs> but we know by Gordon's standards that would mean he has to die okay do you have any like actual theories or is it just your batshit theories <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's some sort of like spell or ritual or it, it is something that it's not objectively good, but obviously it the way they say it, I don't think it's just necessarily like using his powers and like yeah. getting back. Like the way they say it is not like. There's the implication that there is something that we as the audience aren't aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So not 100% sure. No, but maybe, maybe, maybe he gets his powers from dripping demon blood into other babies now. Oh my God, Jamie. Oh, like a pyramid scheme? <laughs> Like you, like some sort of like multi-level marketing. Like the more he recruits, the more power he can level he gets. up. Oh, that's so funny. Especially <laughs> considering in this episode we learn that that's kind of how demons work. Well, and you just so so when they killed Azazel, Sam just like moved up in the yeah. hierarchy. It's he just like a yeah. diamond member. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know, and it's 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 the demon way. It's you know, you don't yeah. you just it's you're just putting someone else out of business. Yeah, to benefit yourself. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, because we kind of learn it's similar to that in terms of like the demon making process this episode, when we learn the way that sort of demon torture works is either you are torturing someone or you're getting tortured. And you get to sort of make the decision if you are getting tortured or if you are the torturer. On this, I don't think everyone is given that option. No. I think that there are some special cases who are given the option. I mean, to- you could call them special children, couldn't you? <laughs> And we know demons, like, the demons said to Dean in season three that they were, like, looking forward to having him down there. Like, they said, you know, like, we're waiting. Like, we're ready. You've got potential. So let's honestly face it. If John was given the same choice, John would be, like, tortured for one day, be offered the choice, and he'd be immediately <laughs> on torturing other people. <laughs> I mean, he did it when he was alive. What's the difference now? Right, like, John torturing souls in hell, it seems in character. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Alistair. But also you know that if you ever asked John, he would totally lie about how long he held out. <laughs> While we're on the topic, let's talk about Alistair. I am interested to know what you think. I love the description that we get in this episode from Ruby, which is that essentially he's Picasso with a razor. I think that's a really fun way to 
tell us a fair bit about a character in like a very short amount of time and in a very elegant way. I just really yes. like that line. I do love the fact that they've seemed to have queer coded him for some reason. Like the same way Disney villains are queer coded. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've done like the like effeminate voice and like the. And predatory in yeah. the like. Yeah. It feels kind, kind of, of like a Disney. The combination. Way. Yeah. The combination of like queer coding and predatory mm-hmm. is yes. a choice. Yeah. I actually really like the like nasally voice yeah Alistair I think it's really it's really unique feels very demony too yeah and we don't get anyone who he's yeah a very unique character we don't get anyone who presents or speaks or has the mannerisms or speech patterns of Alistair anywhere else like he's very much he's a demon but he's a demon of his own caliber kind of like yellow eyes I think yellow eyes might actually be the closest comparison yeah he does give kind of like Azazel but like if Azazel's kind of like Alistair light. Yeah. Like it's like they gave him a dusting of like Alistair's traits, but then Alistair's He's trying. Like, he's, you know, in the pyramid scheme, he's just, just, he's trying to work his way up to Azazel, to Alistair's love. Because Alistair has white eyes like Lilith and now like the psychic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> is going to be an issue if Pamela ever gets possessed <laughs> by Lilith. Because how will they convey that she is possessed by Lilith? Not a thing I had ever thought about. Because, like, the fake eyes Pamela chooses after her eyes are being burnt out by cats. And they're not going, those ones are not going to, like, be able to flick to the right colour. She just looks permanently like Lilith. Lilith just really needs to get on that perfect vessel. Lilith really should have just trademarked her eyes. Because, like, all these bitches be trying to knock her off, you know? Like, <laughs> I very much want to talk about the scene at the very end of the episode with Sam and Dean and Dean's admission to what actually happened in hell. Very quickly before we sort of dive into it, though, I wanted to point out that Sam is finally respecting Dean's boundaries. Yes. And that's when Dean opens up. And, like, because... Dean says like aren't you curious and Sam's like yeah I'm damn curious but you told me you don't want to talk about it so I'm not going to push and then that's when Dean's like well it's really nice to see it's really nice to see that from that softness from Sam I feel like we haven't seen that much this season yeah and I think it's that space of like because Sam is offering him a level of respect and like giving him that sort of power and that autonomy in how much he shares and when he shares it and how emotionally vulnerable he makes himself that's what makes it a safe space. And that is what in turn makes him feel comfortable actually divulging the information. Mm-hmm. Whereas before when Sam was like, you have to tell me, like, I deserve to know, like what, you know, in- interrogating him about it. It's not a safe space. It's not a place where he can share that and be vulnerable. And also remarkable that given his upbringing, he's able to be an entitled little shit. <laughs> uh... Okay. Did anyone have any thoughts on that interaction? I mean, I- I want to hear what Jamie thinks and like that reveal and what do you think about how that scene plays out? I'm just, I'm curious about your thoughts. What if I've hit my character analysis quota for the day? (laughs) Then you can just, I don't know. I was like, you can't really, there's not really any riffing you can do on that scene. (laughs) Did you see it coming or were you surprised is maybe a better question. I wasn't necessarily surprised. Um, Probably the only thing that surprised me was that they, made it 30 years that Dean held out like I don't know I just I feel like I don't know it like make it 
tiny bit longer so it's like he had only just cracked when he got pulled out or make it like significantly shorter so that it's like more emotionally devastating right Um, so either he lasted longer but not quite long enough yeah didn't last anywhere near as long as you would expect him to more yeah well not necessarily as long as you would expect him to because in that situation you don't really expect people to last that long like or you say how long he would he would expect himself to last like mate, I would have lasted three days before I flipped. Like I would be <laughs> like Meg's my favorite character. What do you expect? <laughs> but like I don't know, I just I feel like they should have either made it he lasted like ten years or something, so it's still like a respectable amount of time, but it's still like horrifying that he was torturing other people for thirty years. Or he held you, out. You've got to like make it. He held out for and... like thirty-five years, and yeah. like or even like. 39 years and like he'd only like they just didn't quite save him soon enough like they were like two days out of like having saved him before he cracked imagine how much worse that complex would be that guilt complex would be if he like knew that he had he was so close to holding it exactly we gotta do it for the angst (laughs) i think actually that knowing knowing how the show progresses that having that option where he's like only just snapped right before he gets saved actually would be a very effective choice yes however also knowing how the show progresses I understand why they gave him that time to Mm -hmm. develop those skills yes yeah (laughs) uh because it does it it, this plot point does come back and become relevant Mm. as as we go through I really wanted to point out I this scene is obviously so emotional and it's quite like it's quite a lovely scene and you know it's very it's very vulnerable but I and like it's such a beautiful scene but every single time it really drives me insane the line how I feel inside me it it feels like there is something missing from like there was supposed to be a lead-in like it feels like Sam was supposed to ask how are you coping or something and then there was supposed to be a lead into that line because I don't know a little monologue once he gets into it yeah it's just for some reason I'm like that line doesn't feel like it fits and it drives me mental every time because it's such a beautiful scene and it's like emotionally just so impactful obviously for the characters and you know as the audience you're learning about this horrible experience and just something about that line just feels kind of clunky to me it drives me batty it really does (laughs) I feel like you could have just cut the inside me you could just been like how I feel I wish it like it's just unnecessary words monologue yeah. but I do really really love the end of that sort of monologue and he's saying I wish I couldn't feel anything Sammy I wish I couldn't feel a damn thing and I think like I mentioned before that really loops back around when he was talking to Anna and he was couldn't comprehend why she would want to be human why she would want all of these cumbersome emotions you know mm-hmm. why why would she not want to stay as that perfect marble statue as she puts it who can't who can't feel yeah and just have be so sure of herself and so sure of the divine purpose because if he was you know really sure of himself and his decisions he wouldn't have all of this massive guilt you know, and I just, I think that that's really interesting. And I think having this admission at the end of the episode really adds some layers of complexity to the original conversation that he had with Anna and why he was actually yeah. so confused and inquiring about it. Okay, I remembered what I was going to say. And that's, I think the fact that the angels, like having any doubts is basically like reason for them to murder you. Like 
if you're an angel and you've got doubts, like you are useless to them. I think that is a very interesting choice on God's behalf because I think if he had been able to disprove their doubts, them having doubts wouldn't be an issue. So I think it's very important the fact that they're not allowed to have doubts. I think it's, it's an ego thing. That it's well, like, that's the thing is I'm like, that's more of a, that's more of like, you know, if God's able to make it so that you don't need to doubt, then you don't, then he doesn't actually like. Why does he have a policy on it if there is not a reason to doubt? Exactly. And like, if you're, if you're just def- saying doubt is not allowed, you are basically saying like, you have to trust me and you are like, it's a power trip. Yeah. yeah. And it's also based on like, literally based in faith. Like Anna even says in this episode, it's like, we have, we have to have faith. Which we're killed if we don't have. Yeah, exactly. I think Cass has also said previously, like, you know, I have my faith. You have faith in, in the plan, <laughs> but, and that'll, that'll keep coming back. One thing that I wanted to talk about again with the angels is the difference between how Uriel and Cass approach fight scenes. I think it's really interesting because when they first arrive at the very beginning of the episode and they're saying, you know, we've come for Anna, Uriel delights in the opportunity in being able to like bash their heads in a little bit. And Cass just puts them to sleep. For Uriel, there's like this added, like, I don't like humans. And I'm, he says, I think actually like, oh, I've been looking forward to this or something before he starts like actually going at it. And Cass literally walks up to Sam, just taps his noggin and he just drops. It's the difference between the kid who like tries to set the ants on fire with the magnifying glass and like the kid who's like trying to avoid the bugs on the footpath. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yep. And like, I mean, we even saw that like literally in Cass's first scene with Bobby, the same thing. He just like puts him to sleep. Like he's not, he's not, Cass doesn't seem to be like excited about causing unnecessary like human suffering. Yeah. Or loss. Yeah. And we even saw that in The Great Pumpkin Sam Winchester. We see it again in this episode when, you know, it's obvious that he doesn't like the idea of threatening Sam, you know, we get it over and over and over. And I think it is interesting for his character and it'll continue to be interesting as the show progresses one last thing that I did want to talk about at the very beginning of the episode and Abigail I'm interested to know if you have thoughts and feelings on this because it's a queer coding topic so I actually came across this in a analysis I saw on Tumblr about Stranger Things and the character of Eddie Munson and his queer coding and it's about If no one's seen Stranger Things, basically there is a scene where you get the cast running across a caravan park and you can see in Eddie's back pocket a black bandana. And people were talking about how that is a, the the handkerchief code is what it was called. And I did, I did Google it to make sure that I was getting the correct, well, you know, it's Google, but you know, the correct information. And Google says that in the 70s, the handkerchief code gained popularity among gay men who were in search of casual sex. The handkerchiefs were placed in your back pocket, essentially, and depending on the color, symbolized a sexual, like, position. So there was even a meaning behind which pocket you tucked it in. And when we get at the start of this episode, the angels are banished with the blood sigil. Dean goes out the back and pulls from his pocket a black bandana to wrap up Anna's wrists. And I just... I never noticed that before. Neither had I. The only reason I noticed was because I saw this meta about Stranger Things and Eddie. And I was like, oh. Fascinating. (laughs) Okay. Right? So what does a black bandana in the back pocket mean then? That's that's the question. Let me me Google it. Because it could mean a lot, could mean nothing. 
And then what pocket is it, pocket is it in? It's hard to tell which pocket it's pulled from. Okay, so the bandana that is in the episode does have some white on it. So I'm going to go the interpretation that Google's given me for a black with white checks. And if it's worn on the left, it's supposed to be symbolizing safe sex top. And if it's worn on the right, safe sex bottom. So I mean, Dean's a switch anyway. We yeah. <laughs> this episode. So it works either. It doesn't actually matter. <laughs> but I just, I didn't know if that was something that you had ever come across before. Cause like I said, I only saw it in the Stranger Things meta. I've seen it in the Stranger Things meta as well. I've never actually seen it identified for this episode, but I think it is another, you know, thing that the writers probably didn't do with any sort of intention, but I think we can read um, coding into. What's sure. that? Like the author is dead. We get to do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the canon. It's in there. In that case, I think that brings us to the end of our episode. So, Jamie, how would you rate Heaven and Hell out of five? I think I'm going to give it a three out of five. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I I just, I didn't even mention the lighting, but half of this shit I couldn't see. (laughs) Got a full eye roll from that right there. I couldn't see half of the shit that was happening in this episode. It felt like something was wrong with the episode and I can't really, like, We've just talked about it for like an hour and a half and I can't sort of narrow down other than like specific scenes that I was like, this just does not feel right. I would like to see where they go with Anna. She seems very interesting. It's so fascinating which ones you've like really loved. It's just fascinating to me. I'm still like, I'm still figuring it out because I'm still not able to predict if you're going to like an episode or not. I, every time I think I've got it under my belt, I'm like, no. And you probably feel this way more, Beth, because you record every episode together. The, these two episodes, nine and 10, I have watched probably more than any other episodes of Supernatural, I think. Like, because when I go back to rewatch, I go to season four and I go to these two episodes. I'm, I'm sorry, but why? Like that just back. Do I also I'm like, like I also go back to this this one especially? Yeah, right. <laughs> like so much. Because and it's I so like interesting. Yeah. And not just because of my massive crush on Anna, but like I go back to it for like a lot of other reasons as well. There's so much here (laughs) in terms of character analysis for Dean, for Cass, for Anna, for Sam, for Ruby, for John. There's so much here to Mm -hmm. just sink your teeth into. And I fucking love it. And like the choices, like we were saying with, you know, the cast perspective shots and the handprint and the hanky. And, you know, there's so much going on and like the overarching plot is so prevalent in this episode too like it really gets expanded upon and I I am so baffled that you didn't like it <laughs> it's not that I, I didn't like it opinion, just... I just don't understand it yeah, yeah that's yeah <laughs> this episode has me in a chokehold and you've somehow escaped and I don't know how <laughs> I understand that it's main plot and it's moving the main plot forward which is what I want but like also, I'm, it just feels like instead of moving forward the main plot, it feels like they're adding a new plot. It just feels like they're like, oh, we need to make sure we have all of these bits of ex- exposition put down on the table so that things make sense later on. Jamie, it I just feels like just, that's just a narrative. That's just what storytelling <laughs> is. You're like, my problem is that they're telling a story. No, my problem is they're telling a story, but they're not linking it to anything previously. They're just putting a whole bunch of shit down and I don't have the faith in Supernatural for them to link it to anything moving forward. I wonder if you'll feel differently later on in the season, but I'm not sure if you will based on that. And I 
am interested. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I, I would like to understand. Like it just, it feels like they're trying to shove the story into this direction because that's the direction they want to go. But that's not where the story itself feels like it's actually heading towards organically. If that was, the, if I felt like that was the case, I, I think I would agree with you, but I don't feel like that's the case in the show. If that makes sense. It might also just be retroactively. The episode is a bit more like, it, it's a bit like, you were really surprised when I, I wasn't the mass, biggest fan of Faith. And it's like, just because a lot of the things that make Faith as an episode slap are things that I don't know yet. Like, so it just, to me, if this episode feels very untethered to the rest of the main plot, it feels like it's main plot, but it feels like they haven't really anchored it to anything. And I wonder if then you might feel differently about it later. And I might feel differently to it later. And it might even just be that they didn't realize that like the actors between like Dean and Anna just have zero chemistry. So the storyline doesn't make sense without them having chemistry. You're entitled to your interpretation. But yeah, that's totally fair. Um... From like, the perspective you're trying to share makes sense. I'm so on. I just spent like an hour and a half insulting an episode that apparently both of you really like. <laughs> Usually, Jamie, you will say something and I'll go, oh, I don't know if I agree with that. And then you explain. I'm like, oh, okay. I see how you made that connection. And the, I'm having the opposite experience today. I am like, what are you talking about? <laughs> maybe it's just because the main plot we got is not the main plot I care about. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. What is the main okay. plot you care about? Yeah. I just yeah, want to know yeah, what the really fuck's happening with Sad. Uh, you okay. know what I mean? Like, this is what I've been, this is what I've been trying to fucking sort out very different for the last four seasons. And now it feels like since the start of episode four, in the last 10 episodes, they've forced more goddamn angel plot in these 10 episodes than they'd forced of Sam's entire plot in the first three seasons. Instead of actually giving us any information about like what we've been told we have to care about for the last four seasons, instead of telling us anything about that, they're just like, oh yeah, now we've sort of realized that we fucked up because we had no angel, like no angel plotline in the first three seasons because that wasn't where we're going with it. But then we had to do hard pivot. And so now we've got to force all of this angel storyline into these 10 episodes. I've been told that there's an overarching plot for the first five seasons. So I'm just trying to like go at it from like a first five seasons are a connected plot. And like the angel thing, like I understand it's because of the writer's strike and they had to pivot, but it just, it definitely feels like to me, they've been like, oh, well now we're going with the angel storyline. We're going to just drop the Sam storyline. It's like we get little bits of it, but it's like they're keeping the Sam storyline at the same pace they had the Sam storyline at for the first three seasons, but they're now accelerating this other storyline to try and make it parallel and it's like no but you haven't given us the same amount of time to develop the storyline yeah I think it's just like a pacing and chemistry issue for me honestly and it'll be interesting to see if you feel like what you feel once you've actually finished seasons four and five and you actually get the full arc and you can look back and go oh and then you might I wonder oh that's certainly been the case with other episodes there's been other episodes where I've been like I don't see how that was necessary why did I have to sit through this bullshit and then like it's like oh well that's that's why but like yeah at this point it's just like I don't I don't see how all of this information that they're giving us actually contributes to the main plot I think maybe a large portion of why you're struggling to enjoy it is because you don't like character analysis and I'm gonna I think honestly because going back to season one you could argue that this plot that we're building to is already in development. I, I'm aware that it mm-hmm. wasn't yeah. like 
plans at that point because obviously like you said the writer's yeah. right they just changed check but you can but track they did a, I think they did a job to make sure that it works yeah there are character specific character dynamics and character interactions and personality traits that are so heavily ingrained in the plot that it is abundantly obvious in season one retroactively so once you get to the end of season five and you know what the final plot is you can go back to season one and be like oh this is very obvious so even though for you like maybe it doesn't feel like there has been any lead up to this I absolutely can guarantee you there has been so much lead up so so much I also wonder from Jamie and or from Beth and I's like experience if the experience of like binging Supernatural over a very short period of time means you don't have the time to like you see you have to see all the connecting pieces a lot faster just because you watch it in a lot shorter of a span of time whereas it's it's such a slow build that you it's you know been a more than a year mine's a more traditional watching experience of how it's actually designed and i wonder if supernatural is actually one of those stories that wasn't benefits. necessarily designed for binging but does benefit from it yeah because it's actually doing some smart things but you it's harder to see them while they're being built but you at least kind of understand what i'm saying now like it's not necessarily that it doesn't feel related. It just doesn't feel anchored to anything at this point. It sounds like, and maybe like, correct me, it sounds like you're not enjoying that build, which is no, not really. meaning that like, it doesn't really even, like in a lot of ways, it doesn't even really matter if it's a good build or not. You're not enjoying it. And yeah. like, so even when it's maybe doing things that are good or will be good, it's not mm. going to have the same impact for you because you're not enjoying it. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that's sort of harming my opinion, especially of these, like these two episodes, is just the fact that in the past, Supernatural have given us a whole bunch of these sort of fucking things, and then they've just never gone anywhere. You have trust issues based on past experiences of Supernatural. Again, also do not mean any shade on you or your opinion. That's my opinion. Like, <laughs> like it's really interesting to hear what... This does really bring to the front and center, which I do think is an important conversation to have, is like, just because you don't like something doesn't actually make it bad. Oh, no, and I would, oh, I would oh, like to is... remind everyone that my ratings are entirely subjective based <laughs> upon how much I enjoyed watching the episode. <laughs> yeah, right, we got here from ratings. <laughs> and the other thing that I think is important is the fact that all media is subjective. And this yes. is one of the things, like particularly the supernatural fandom, there are so many thoughts and opinions and interpretations of all of it. And I think mm-hmm. what is really funny is usually you operate within circles of people who have the same interpretations and thoughts and opinions as yourself. And so when you interact with someone who has a completely different opinion, you're like, excuse me, uh, why are you attacking my identity like this? But you know, <laughs> it's important to be able to be like, okay, like. Sure, like because it is subjective and it is based on yeah. your personal experiences and your personal preferences and how you read certain scenes and what you think, what is important to you in a media con- consumption. And so I do think it's important and it is part of why yeah. I do enjoy like getting a different perspective because ultimately, like, I love this show. Like, mm-hmm. when it all comes down to it, I love it. Jamie doesn't have that. So, you know, it, it is ultimately a different, you know, experience. Yeah. And it's going to be able to like, I think I also appreciate that listening to your show. And then when I come on as a guest, getting to 
get a different angle from someone who isn't as ingrained in the whirlpool of, you know, <laughs> the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> rabbit hole, you know, that doesn't have the same brain worms um, that I do. I think mm-hmm. it like gives a cool opportunity and it gives, I think gives a cool opportunity to have these conversations like in a respectful way and also in a like share our opinions, share our reasoning, learn from each other, um, ultimately come away, you know, regardless of whether or not we'd like come to an agreement or if we still feel differently, like it's recognizing that subjective piece and, you know, growing in our ability to even have that like kind of dialogue about stories is, is cool. I think is a positive thing for like bigger picture talking about ways we experience the world differently. Yeah. That makes yeah. any sense at this No, point. it makes total sense. I think it's actually a really, a really lovely and valid point. And I think it's probably a good way to end the episode. Uh, <laughs> so we should probably wrap this up because this is supposed to be our wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> the ratings, when the ratings. Yeah, the rating when the half the length of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is titled Chris Angel is a douchebag. Jamie, do you have any thoughts, feelings, predictions, fears, hopes, dreams? Okay. I want it to be a comedy episode because I always want it to be a comedy episode. And I want it to be about a magician who's accidentally doing witchcraft. Oh, that's specific. Yeah. Is that based on anything in particular? No, that's just what I want it to be. Okay. In that case, that brings us to the end of the episode. Abigail, thank you so very much for joining us. Do you want to do your quick little spiel of where people can find you if they're looking for more content? Yeah, um, if you want to listen to my supernatural podcast that I'm a host on, that is Saving People Queering Things, queeringthingspodcast.com. I also co-host a Our Flag Means Death podcast called Find Things Well, and I think the link for that will can also be Yeah, we will add all here. the links in the description of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and my and my handle just on socials in general for my personal interactions with fandom is uh, at Astral Spock. And also at this point, the Winchester's prequel pod. Yeah, I was well, just yeah, going to say, should be if you wanted to hear more from Abigail and me talking about the new Supernatural prequel, The Winchesters, I've been banned. Can, <laughs> Jamie has been banned, <laughs> yes, you can find us over with KJ and Elena, and that will be at Wayward Parents on Twitter and at Wayward Parents Podcast on Tumblr, so you can follow us anywhere you like, and the first episode should, by this point, already be live, so head over yep. there and give us a listen if you're interested. Yeah, thank you so much. To both of you for having me again. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. And if you wanted to interact with either myself or Jamie, you can always find us on any of our socials. Again, the links will be in the description, Twitter, Discord, Tumblr, all of those fun ones. So come and hit us up and help. Let us know, did you also dislike this episode very much like Jamie? Or do you fanatically obsess over this episode like Abigail and I? <laughs> hit us up and tell us your reasonings. I feel like maybe it's an episode that's better upon rewatch versus first viewing. Because I know just. I didn't do anything for me. You I, know, there I guess, was nothing that I was like, yes, I love this. I guess you'll never find out because no. you'll never rewatch. So. <laughs> In any case, thank you so much for joining us today. Bye. Bye.